Hello, everyone, and welcome to the RC Plane Lab podcast. I am Ron. I'm Tom. And I'm Dave. What's up, Here gentlemen? we are. Yeah, it's been a few weeks. A couple weeks, anyway. <laughs> yeah. Well, because I have like, gone. You know, it feels like a lot longer class than that. Preparing for my trip this summer, so. Yeah, but like we were talking about before, we've had some pretty decent weather, so got a lot of flights in so far. We had one day of good weather. Well, but I mean, early February in Illinois. February, that's a lot of good days. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. I wasn't expecting. We actually got to go out to the field and do some flying. Yeah. Um, you want to talk about what we flew then? Well, sure. What do you want to get into? Um, Dave finally had a successful rocket ignition. Without an explosion or other type of mishap. Yeah. Very happy. One. One out of how many tries? All right. So it took four tries to get a <laughs> rocket motor to light. <laughs> I think that thing is cursed. Okay, so let's count. So we had four non-fires, and then we had... No, we had three non-fires. Three non-fires. And we and finally got to go on the fourth two one. Two to three, two or three explosions. Three. We've had two yeah, so-called yeah. explosions. Two one true explosion and one... Okay. Oops. Yeah. So you've, you've <laughs> had two one. successful rocket flights. Three total. Three total. Successful. So I had the okay. first two that went perfectly oh, that's fine. Right. There was two that day. Yeah. And then uh, the one I blew <laughs> up with you... <laughs> Um, that and, I didn't record. Yeah. I still... And then the one that uh, went through the fuselage. Yeah. And then I just finally got the, f- the f- fourth. <laughs> <laughs> and it took four tries, that, that flight. Yeah. That plane has that, been cursed. And you said it. So flight, you said, not flights. Flights, yes. Yeah. Not... So that Girl. discussion goes bunk about, do we count this as one flight or four? See, I say that was one flight. I say that was one battery, so that's one, one flight. flight. Yeah. I was tempted to record it as four flights because that's it was cheating. a takeoff, See, a I... landing, removed from the field, landing gear had to be put back on it, takeoff, landing, removed from the field, See. takeoff, landing, removed from the field. But each yeah. one was 45 seconds. Yeah. I mean, that's why I think the the best and only way that we can count it is by the it, number of batteries that require, or tanks of fuel. Tanks, yeah. The number of batteries or tanks of fuel that goes from full to empty. Now, if I were to count it as one flight and just a bunch of touch and goes, it would go take off, touch, go, touch off, go, touch, go, touch, go. But it was removed from the field. So I could cheat then. If I'm out flying my stick or whatever, I could take off. Land, pick it up, go put it on the table, and then pick it up and put it back out, like with the engine running. Then I it, that the engine has to be shut off. Okay, so I could shut the engine off or refire without putting any fuel in it, and I could count. I could probably get fifty <clears throat> flights that way. That's now, cheating. That's Dave. fifty laps. Yeah. Now I do that with the L four though. It's got such a big tank in it. I go out, fly it for ten minutes, come back, land. Well, that's eat lunch. I mean, then take off again with the same tank of fuel. Yeah, but you've consumed a fair amount of fuel. It's not like you paused for 45 seconds and then flew again it's like when and that's so the point for me for keeping track of flights Mm -hmm. i don't know about you guys Mm -hmm. is just to know how much we flew like to actually find out how many times we had a successful battery go through an airplane for me i concur so i don't i don't want to cheat the system or i don't want to like the point is not to get a high number of flights by finding ways around it. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I think the, the honest way to do it is one full battery, one full tank, which is not fair when one battery in a glider lasts an hour. Well, okay. So, That's I still mean, still one flight. So, on the Dave Patrick Ultimate that I have, that tank is good for roughly 30 minutes of flying. So, when I, you know, get tired of flying at 10 minutes or I'm starting to worry about fuel or whatever, if I don't put fuel back in it, is that. Is that one flight or is that still continuing? Is it a new flight when I go back out and fire it up and don't put fuel in the tank? I mean, we probably ought to clarify that. That's where I was at with the L4. One flight or two flight. It might be two hours between flights, but it's the same tank of fuel. Yeah, that's... In the case of the the Comet, though. I did ponder that one before (laughs) I put it down, and I did put it down as one flight. Okay. But I I did put a sub-note saying it was four attempts. (laughs) I mean... You could, yeah, there you go. So if there's a question, whether it's a one flight or multiple, you just put it in the notes and jot it down as the lower number, whatever it is. A conservative number. And then at the end of the year, if you're close to your goal, you could say, well, technically, if I'm five flights short, well, technically, technically I guess I could we're going to cheat then at the end of the year, but not at the beginning <laughs> part of the year. Is that what you're saying? Well, I mean, if necessary. We're going to pad the notes. <laughs> but uh, like, no, And I, I get it. Do you, like, how would you count his cub flight then? Well, then how do you count planes that have a very quick... I don't know. Quick, I'm asking you. Well, no. I, you know, inversely, how do you count a, an EDF jet that you fly for two and a half, three minutes? Well, that is a that's, flight. That's a flight. I mean, because you, you can agree. only get two and a half. You can't. Point. I agree with that. Yeah, you cannot pick it up and put it back out as is because it'll go pooey. So in that case, an hour flight on a glider still is one flight. So an hour flight on whatever airplane you have that runs that long on a gas tank... On a tank of gas. <laughs> I knew what you meant. Ooh, um, is still, to me, one flight. And I might have done myself in by buying a 40-ounce tank for the... Because <laughs> yeah. you're going to fill that on Tuesday and, and Keep fly flying it until, yeah, until next Tuesday without having to put any fuel in it. So that's one flight. It, to me, is still... Okay, so I should buy... Unless unless we want to try and figure out, like... What this is he... why he has 15,000 milliamp packs. Yeah. Hey, what if... Okay, here's a what if. So... The the Dave Patrick Ultimate is capable, let's say, of well, the Cub, my big Cub, is capable of flying thirty minutes on that tank of fuel. Yeah, I stop at ten minutes and and top the tank off. Is that a flight? Even though the tank is not empty, I top it off. Is that a flight? Oh, I do that all the time. I never drain my tanks. I would be more apt to call that a flight. Yeah. So then one could, in theory. Go up, fly for two minutes, land, put some fuel in the tank, and call that a flight. See, the point is not to game <laughs> the system. I mean, there's there's a bit of an honor code, I think, <clears throat> because really, what does it matter how many flights we get? They're toys. To me, it's just trying to keep track of what you flew for the year and make sure it's more than the year before. So, yeah. if you guys, I mean, if you want to try and figure that, let's let's call a flight for longer duration aircraft, 10 minutes, then whatever think, you want to be. I think 10 minutes is a fair number on an airplane that's capable of flying for an, longer than that. On an average airplane, well, 10 minutes is about a normal average, flight. But yeah. I mean, I would think so. I don't know. Some of your smaller electrics and, you know, they're not going to, which is what we fly a lot of recently. Um, they're not going to reach, like I can't fly 10 minutes with my electro streak. Which is why, which I said, by the way, which flies is why, awesome. Oh, hold on, which is why I said average. 
Well, yeah. As but, in you have planes that'll fly for 30 minutes and you have other planes that'll fly for three minutes. I would be more comfortable with like an eight-minute average. Oh. Honestly. Ten is so much easier because it's an even number. Okay. It doesn't matter. We, I was not planning on talking about that at all. Well, but for I For mean, that length of time. It's, it's good to have that, you know, out there early in the year that so we're not gaming the system at the end of the year to try to make numbers. Well, and I've said that before, And really, too. The, the numbers really only matter to you. Cause, to cause you're, to, well, yeah, because you're the one that set the goal you wanted to fly however Oh, yeah, like year. my numbers matter to me, yeah. but your numbers don't matter no, to me. And my numbers don't really matter to me either. My numbers don't matter to me. So there you go. It only matters to you, so you decide. <laughs> you guys don't even have to count. I am going well, to Well, I know, just want to know. Just because I'm in the same boat, I want to know. Actually, for me, days out flying means more to me than how many times I flew. Because usually if I'm a day out flying, say with you guys like on a Saturday, usually equates on average, I'm going to say about six. Six to ten. Flights. Because I'll take a couple of airplanes, three sometimes maybe, and fly them each twice maybe. Yeah. So to me, days out flying is, is more indicative of a good year or a bad year than the actual number of flights. Because I could game the system at home too. Like I could take my little P-51 out over to the school and fly, ooh, I got two flights in today. Okay, I'm a, you know what I mean? Like you can fly here at the house. Yeah, but I don't consider that gaming the system because you actually went and flew a battery through an airplane. Yeah, but that's not meaningful mm-hmm. to me. Like that doesn't indicate whether I had a good year of hobby involvement or not. You know what I'm saying? Of the fun side of things. I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Yes, there's there's less community yeah. doing See, it I, that way. I would but much prefer, for me, go on. I w- I w- personally, I would much prefer going to the field with my friends and flying with my friends and cutting up and doing all the things that we enjoy doing together than to go out to the, and fly by myself just for the sake just of to flying. Fly. It's like my Blade CX. I didn't record that. I've, I've flown five batteries for my Blade CX in my workroom in the last week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't record any of those flights. Yeah. I, mean, I get it. But to me, the, the number of flights also equates how much time I get to spend really flying, how much stick time I get, and how much I can improve based on that stick time. Mm. Do you record simulator time no. as stick time? I don't. No. Well, so much for that topic. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Not expecting that. Well, I think we've all agreed to basically just disagree that numbers don't really matter to us so much as they do to you and it because it depends on your goal for the year yeah really my goal is to fly more yeah than last year so i'm okay with recording flights the way i record flights and dave's probably okay with recording flights the way he records flights. there is no right answer (laughs) only whatever works for you exactly good okay moving on so same day that we were talking about before yes um, we all did get some flights. What else did, did bring out, Dave? I don't remember. All I had was the uh, comet and the uh, electrostreak. Yeah, which we're gonna we're gonna cover the electrostreak in more detail uh, <laughs> when I get my after f- Ron gets his so started. Um, <laughs> oh, I really thought it was done. I, th- I thought it was in the uh, stealth camo. Oh, God. Yeah, because we Cause can't I can't see, see it. it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah. Dave brought the, his uh, electrostreak out and maidened it successfully. Yes. Uh, somewhat disappointed. I flew mine also. and uh, like, like I've posted, I, I've never been so happy with an airplane and so disappointed at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. We were expecting more. Oh, a lot more. Yeah. But anyway, not to belabor that. What else? 
But what you? No, you guys can talk about that for a little bit. I just have nothing to say until well, I finish mine, which I will be done by the end of winter. By the the problem is you will be gone. Yeah. Well. So we'll that'll probably be probably be one of the first episodes in April. By the time we actually get around to talking about it and actually talk Electro Streak builds. Well, Dave will be here. You guys can cover it without me. No, we need to all, since we all did it. Okay. I think. Fair enough. Yeah. Which, that reminds <clears throat> me, we received a message on Facebook today. Oh, okay. Um, asking about the build logs. Oh, yeah. Because it was Bernard yeah. Adderley said something about the, uh, uh, the build logs don't have a lot of content on Stuff. them. Yeah. Which... That's because I haven't built anything yet, so I have nothing yeah. to add. And honestly, I have not looked at the build logs on that because it seems like most of the guys that are doing it like to be on Discord. So we have a lot of, uh, I would say, a lot more going on on Discord. Yes. So if yep. you want to follow along with other people that are building stuff, join Discord, and that's probably going to be where you're going to see more, I don't want to say information, but more goings on. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but I have vowed... Uh, now that my electro streak is finished, I have vowed to go ahead and and put that on our website on the as a build log. log. Yeah, as a yeah. build log. I and took we'll pictures get one for Dave too. He said he took like three. He pictures. took like three pictures. Yeah, so I have one. <laughs> we'll get his three pictures and his build brief, and uh, <laughs> and I'll I'll put my I'll work on that over this weekend. So I'm sorry, I get building and I just forget to take pictures. I, yeah, I know. I totally get it because I same thing. I like once I get in the in the zone. I don't even think about stopping to take a picture of what I'm working on. But I did a pretty good job with my electro streak, so I'll, I'll put that out there and I'll owe that to you guys. Good. Yep. And then I'll do the same whenever, mm-hmm. you know. Well, yeah, when you get started. When I get mine going. <laughs> uh, to so be back. fair. To be fair. To be fair. Um, you did actually start. I mean, you have your pieces cut and you do have... There's stuff glued together. The beginnings of a, of a wing panel, so... Very little. Well, but Not I mean... Not nearly what I expected to be done start. by now. Well, to be fair, to be fair, to be huh? fair, you have also been sick. I, I don't know if you wanted to talk about that. Oh, it doesn't matter or it doesn't bother me. I haven't been. Well, I don't call that sick. There is less of you now. <laughs> so I had a, an emergency. What's the? Oh my god! Uh, I'm still under the effects. By the, if anybody oh, thinks I sound stupid, it's because I kind of am. <laughs> I'm still. I still no, feel no, the effects. You're not stupid. I still feel the effects of the anesthesia. Uh, thank you, Dave. My gallbladder has now been removed from my body. I didn't lose a lot of weight like I was hoping because I don't know how much those weigh, but... You know, he's officially missing more parts than I am now by count. He's missing it three. Depends. I mean... Well, that's true. How many bones did you lose? If we want to talk about your knee, your leg... I lost 65 pounds. Yeah, I didn't even get... Mine's like ounces. It doesn't even count. <laughs> that, that sucks. So, but no, so my... my Voice is still doesn't feel to me like it's back to normal. It sounds normal, but I'm sure to you. Feel okay. Yeah. Well, it sounds weird to me. So it takes a while for that stuff to get out of your system. Yeah, I've been sleeping a lot. Yeah. So anyway, you had the the gallbladder removed. So that is what. It and is. you've been home recovering, and you but have not me, had time to do the stuff you wanted to. A do. lot of sleep. So yeah, it takes time to recover. I've seen a lot of inside of my eyelids. But anyway, <laughs> so yes, before that happened, I did slowly get a start on it. Um, Piper helped me glue the sides together because oh, awesome. I used the laser cutter to make your fuselage slide. Which in. you guys were mad at me when you walked in. <laughs> I don't understand that. Mad is such a strong word. But correct one for this. <laughs> Sadly. Uh, um, it does look beautiful, though. I love the 
the design you did. Well, it's, it's going to look really good too. So the whole reason is I was, you know, to me this is to replace the shiny. Yep. And the shiny has the cutouts in the side to let the light shine through, and so that is what I have yes. done with this. So I use falcata for the sides and bottom, and that's all the farther I've gotten. Just the sides and bottoms glued together um, for the fuselage. Sorry, yeah, for the fuselage, and then that has the the lightning holes in it, which gives me the uh, uh, ability to get light through. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Sorry, that's me again. <laughs> One that yells at us about turning off our phones. It's always his phone that goes <clears throat> off, too. In my defense, I am still under the influence. Foggy. Yeah, so here um, it goes. It's, it's the drugs. It's always yeah, the drugs. Yeah, he's going to blame it on the drugs. <laughs> because I can, gentlemen. Okay. So, yeah, so Dave flew the... the oh, I'm sorry. No, go on. Something further? Well, I was going to talk more about that day that the we The comet and the electrostreak. And what did you take to fly? I actually took a bunch that I did, had to write down because I don't remember. The Lazy Bee, mm-hmm. the Erratics, mm-hmm. the Twin Otter, and the UMX Ultrix. Yeah. You flew a lot that day. I did. I was um, happy for you. I was very proud of you. Because normally, times past, you come out to the field and maybe you'll fly once and you get very nervous, but you are... That comes with flying more. You are overcoming that, which I'm very happy to see. Like I said, that comes with flying more. Right? You yeah. don't... Flying while other people are flying, you're getting more comfortable. It, and it, it, it helps that the people that were there were people that I consider friends. <laughs> yeah. That, you know, you you're trust. still able to, yeah, you're not worried <laughs> about where they're going to land yeah. as opposed to. Yeah. So how was the lazy bee? I say, can we talk about the bee? Yeah. Feel free. I'm, that, that one is. Um, that required a lot of work from you too. That, uh, like to get that have you to... ever bounced an airplane with an adjustable wrench? <laughs> Did I get that wrench back? Yeah, I got it back. Yes, you I got, got it back. back. Gosh. So come to find out, it looks like the bee was a little bit tail heavy. Yeah, yeah I, I balanced it. We were talking about, I think a couple episodes ago, that I got it finished and balanced, and it was balancing right on that spar. Apparently it needs to be a little farther forward than that. Uh, um, about an adjustable wrench worth. <laughs> well, there, what else did we put up there? There was an adjustable wrench and something else. <laughs> there were two things that we... St- oh, you put a, something else in there? Yeah. Oh, I, I thought my wrench was it. No, it was your wrench and I think a screwdriver. Yeah, we had something else jammed in there. But, but anyway, that made it fly much better. Hmm. Um, but I'm going to be honest, that plane is just not for me. And you fixed the push rods. Fixed push rods, yeah. yeah. Um, but it's just not not for me. Center yeah. of gravity and some uh, control throw changes, I, I think, really made it fly much better. It did. Yeah, yeah. you let me fly it, and it was definitely better than much the better. first time you let All right, me fly. So here's the thing, though. You were flying it, and you decided to start bashing it around with this adjustable wrench that was just well, loose I, in the nose. I He's pointing to he, Tommy, He by forgot the way. I forgot that it was, it was just in there. loose in there. <laughs> well, to be fair. To be fair. To I be did fair. push it in hard, by the way. Well, I thought, <laughs> you know, if you're going to put a object, a random object in the front of an airplane, at least secure it. Don't just lay it in there. And I'm assuming, you know, Dave is a pretty experienced, you know, RC guy and you're fairly experienced as well. well I knew you guys wouldn't just leave it laying in there. So he, I did figured, jam, to, he did jam it in there. Okay. So well, I figured it was safe to, you know, not wring it out, but. It was, fun. you did more than I would have. However, <laughs> we did know that it flew. Yeah. And there was no way for the wrenches to go farther back. Yeah, so, so they couldn't have see? gone into the actual fuselage based on how I have the firewall and the battery tray and all that set up. Mm-hmm. There just wasn't enough room for it to go back. Mm-hmm. The only thing that could have happened is it could have come out through the battery hatch and just fallen out. Yeah, so then we've got... So the, we're back to where we were before, where, we where it's yeah, slightly tailored. Which, was, that way, which so. is flyable, Yeah, just not nearly as but anyway, well. Okay. So this adjustable wrench is not the worst thing I've ever seen in the nose of an airplane to balance it. 
back in the Do 80s. Tell. Back in the 80s when we were, I was still learning, and we had a guy out the field who had an airplane. He ended up crashing it. And he had bought it at a swap meet and didn't pay too much attention to it. Uh, when we went to pick up the trash, um, he had multiple live 45 rounds jammed in the nose of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that way you can go out with a bang. Live go rounds, with a bang, primers, yeah. everything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I told you well, this one had a whole bunch of heavy bolts epoxied in the yeah. front of it, but it was crashed when I got it. Yeah. So I had to, I mean, like... And I, who knows what may have been removed before you got it. Well, right. And I had so much that I had to rebuild and, and I mean, it's it's probably better now than it was before because I put two hatches in, yeah. nice laser cut hatches. Yeah, that looks the, really good. The magnetic holders or whatever the... I'm sorry, you're giving up on it. Well, I'm just, it's, it's not... I'm glad I bought it because I've always wanted one, mm-hmm. but they, it just does not fly as well as I wanted it to, and it's it's good to have the experience and move on and get something. This is part of what I was saying when I was wanting to hone my mm. collection. Yes. That just doesn't, it doesn't bite fit. me enough to keep it. I gotcha. Well, don't let it go too far. Well, if you're interested, we can figure something out. Yeah. yeah. So it may or may not be going to Toledo. Back, it won't go to Toledo anymore. Back from whence it came. I think it will go to Brian's before Toledo. Oh, I gotcha. Or apparently or Dave, Dave or Daniel. Someone we'll see what it can work out. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It's a good looking airplane. I mean. It is. I, I like the looks of it. And and I actually don't hate the way it flies. Like I didn't, I mean, it was kind of fun to fly. From I definitely don't like the split elevator thing. It's a really good, calm, warm weather evening. Just float around just before dark. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I have gliders for that, like actual gliders. So mm-hmm. to me, it's it's Sup- not a necessity. It's superfluous. Yes. It's one that I do not mind losing to make room for more. <laughs> so yeah. what else did you fly? Uh, the Erratics. Put yeah. several batteries through that. Yeah. I know you don't like that one, and I get it. But it is a fun airplane as a practice airplane. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's a dead simple just throw it up in the air. And I like the fly. fact that you flew it a lot. Mm-hmm. Like you, I mean, just the fact that you put a lot of flights. I if I got no matter what the airplane. Six or something was, on that one? Yeah, it was several. It was quite a bit, yeah. yeah. So I'm I just had a battery charge with flying. me and everything, and we're charging them there. Yeah. And yeah. So, and then the Twin Otter. We, we had a little bit of uh, issues with the CG on that one, too. Yeah, that one. Mm-hmm. It's much little, better now. A little nose heavy from yeah, the factory. So I set it right where they said to set it from mm-hmm. E-Flight. And that is apparently a little too nose heavy for very conservative. Yeah, yeah, it, <laughs> to the point where it was a little hot landing. Yeah, yeah. Well, and see, it's, it, it was weird because it'll fly on a three S twenty two hundred, yeah, three S twenty two hundred or three S thirty two hundred milliamp hour battery. I had twenty two hundreds because that's what I got for Piper's uh, uh, Aero Scout. It was very like to get it to actually balance with that. I had to put three ounces of weight in the nose. So we took out, I think, an ounce and a half of that. I was going to say, did you take about half of that out? Yeah, I took one side out. So that would have been an ounce and a half. And I think I could probably honestly take the rest of it out if I had more time to kind of play it around with it. It flew much, much nicer without yeah. that extra nose. Oh, yeah, for sure. I was much the happier. The flare was prettier. That. Yeah, mm-hmm. it just it landed slower. Yeah, yeah. It, it more had a like nice it should. stall yeah. style landing to it. Yep. Yeah. So, so yes, that one mm-hmm. is going to Joan Hall. Yeah, it's a like you let me fly that one, and that one is kind of fun to fly. Yeah, it sounds cool too. I know, 
Like I, with the twin, you know, motors. It's I think a it's good looking good. airplane. Like I am so glad I got I'm it. I'm not sure how I feel about the stripes on the props. I'm the zebra props are not my thing. Yeah, I don't. I like them, but the, okay, so I like them. I like the right one more than I like the left one because the right one is actually like perfectly lined up with the paint. The left one, you could tell one of them is off because when it spins, it it's not. Mm. Yeah, it's not like that perfect sharp line going around that the other one has. Mm. We have paint. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. I shouldn't. It's not have, like I don't I like them. I don't love them, but I don't not like them either. If yeah. That makes any sense. So here's how I look at them. If I got them plain, I would not paint them. I would not put the stripes on. If I got them with the stripes, I'm not going to paint them to make them the other way. Like, I like it, but not enough to actually make it so on my own. Does makes make me sense? wonder, does the real one, like the full-size one, does yeah, it Yeah, I've that? seen a couple photos. Oh, does it? Okay. I mean, I, it might be limited to one or two. To me, it, it makes it, I mean, I know it's a toy, but it makes it look like a toy to me. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't. I, I, I think don't it's because it these way. things are used as small commuter airplanes yeah. and bush mules and that type of stuff. And so they want the high visibility on the yeah. props. And those zebra props... Stripes do oh, make it look they're definitely high vis. You mm-hmm. definitely see them. Which I so, like. So it's definitely mm-hmm. a safety thing, but eh. yeah. yeah, but it flies good. It does. So I'm excited for that. Yep. Um, I was listening to the most recent episode of the RC Roundtable podcast, mm-hmm. and they were talking about they are also well, not Terry, because I guess Terry's a stick in the mud. But the other two, <laughs> sorry, Terry. <laughs> but the other two, Ron are is going, on drugs, so pay no attention to what he says. I'm actually not. I'm still coming down from the high. But okay. anyway, no, so they are going to Jono also. Mm-hmm. Um, and apparently uh, Lee is going to be bringing his airplane that is the same as mine. Oh, cool. So I guess last Dueling year... twin otters. Yeah. That'd be fun. So I guess last year he flew uh, one of our listeners, our mutual listeners' airplanes, Jeff Arsenault. Uh, one of his friends was up there, and I guess that Lee Ray was flying the twin otter and really liked it. So he got his own, and apparently now... Are you guys both going to fly them off floats then, on the uh, off the pond? I would assume so. I didn't. Mm-hmm. I didn't actually catch that yeah. if he said what he was doing on his there, but it'll be pretty cool. Yeah, that will be cool. Speaking of the RC Roundtable podcast, the other thing that gets me so Terry, he has a, a knack for getting airplanes that I like. Unique um, airplanes, I would say. I love unique airplanes. Yeah. So he ended up going last. Well, it doesn't matter when. Last in the last month to a swap meet. Uh, his local swap meet, and he ended up coming home with a Fliver, Ford Fliver. Ford Fliver. Arf. I did not even know they made them. A Fliver Arf, huh? Yeah. I don't... I had one in the shop back in the day. A Fliver Arf? Yeah. Who made it? I can't remember off the top of my head. Somebody brought it in and sold it as a consignment. Oh. He said, but I didn't... I don't remember, because the old names don't mean anything to me. So it's the blue and silver with the three-cylinder radial... That's awesome. Be a perfect candidate for a Sato 93 cylinder. Also be a perfect electric candidate. Yeah. And I don't remember what he said. It was like a 70-inch wingspan, so it's a good oh, size airplane. a good size one, yeah, yeah. it's not a small one. Hmm. So, and that was several years ago. We went up to the uh, Henry Ford Museum, and they had one of those up there, which mm-hmm. I, seeing that was one that I have always in the back of my mind thought that would be a good build. You know, something just mm-hmm. to find plans for and, yeah. and do a, a stick build with. So that's one day. Hmm. It's something I plan on doing mm-hmm. one day. The one seed day. has been planted. It was many, many years ago. Yeah. But it looks yeah. very simple. I mean, there's not much yeah, to it. It doesn't look like it would be a terribly complicated build. Yeah. <laughs> so neither did a trimotor. So can we go back to our flying day and maybe some erratics going, whoop. <laughs> oh, no, that was the Ultrix. 
Or, the erratics. Uh, not erratics. The, oh, I forgot about that. He was honest. getting to that. It was fun. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> so... Uh, we Okay. I have a problem. <laughs> it's the first step. <laughs> Admitting it. No, so we were flying our... The UMX Ultrix, they are... Oh, my gosh. Such, they're just so much fun. Such good, fun, dumb, fun airplanes. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know how it got started. Well, I do. Okay, then tell it, because I don't. So remember. I think you accidentally uh, dove at the ground and realized you were diving at the ground and pulled up, like, at the last minute while I was flying. I was also flying my Ultrix. And I saw that out of the corner of my eye, and I think I said something to the effect of, oh, my God, Ron, I thought you had crashed and you were giggling. And you thought, I thought I had, too. And then that sort of turned into, hey, let's see who can, who can like, wait the longest, dive at the ground and pull out at the last minute. Let's see who can win. You won three times. <laughs> no. Two, two seconds later. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I will say I was farther away than I thought, which means the ground was higher than I thought. So I thought I was pretty much over the runway, and I was just going to go straight. And so I was also going full throttle dives straight well, to the yes. ground. I mean, why would Well, you, you have to have the thrust to pull out, right? Exactly. And so, right, I believe, if I remember right. Uh, the yeah, first probably. few times we did it, we were 20 feet off the ground or something Oh, yeah, like we that. weren't even close. No, I mean, not even enough to make me pucker. Uh-huh. So, yeah, I, I went ahead and, and, I mean, full you throttle. You embraced the challenge. I did. All the way to the ground. All the way to the ground. I mean, what am I out? Like, honestly, like, if you crash and mess that whole airplane up, it's $35 for the airframe. You did it three times or twice? Twice. Twice. No, thrice. Yeah, I think you did. You I broke propellers. You twice. broke two propellers. And yeah, then, then just so three times. It. Yeah, and there is not a wrinkle on the airframe except for a little bit on the nose. Well, I mean, to be fair, that did break the uh, the noses. You know, it was yeah, it was but, coming off. But I had to retape it. Still, but the the biggest problem with it now is just the color of the airplane. It, it is now dirt color Brown. <laughs> because it was into the mud, and it actually went into the mud pretty far. Yeah, but uh, they're very durable. Yeah, very. And very an ama- amazingly loud noise when they hit the ground. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it, it it's yeah. a very unique sound when when an Ultrix hits the ground at full throttle, like you know, uh-huh. diving nose mm-hmm. first. It's a yeah. It's a thump. It's a very distinct... It was so much fun. I mean, like, I don't think I've had that much flying. I giggled a lot. Had that much fun flying in years. And you broke the same prop twice. Yeah, that part sucked, because I had to buy new props. I got new props, by the way. I just haven't put them on yet. Well, it it comes with extra props, Ben. You went through those. It came with (laughs) two spares for that side, and yeah. Well, I I didn't even... Like, I don't know what I was thinking. I wasn't paying attention to the fact that they are specific to each side, like each motor is kind of rotating. Yeah. So I just pulled one off, you know, the broken one, and then put the new one on. And I, I'm glad I didn't. I almost like threw it because that was the other thing we were doing. We were literally just like Tossing. throwing them like a frisbee and seeing if we could take off, which mm-hmm. didn't always work. No. So this time I actually was just going to hold it and let it go out of my hand. Well, I didn't feel any. I didn't feel any wind from one of the propellers, so it was the wrong propeller. So it would have just. It would have been. Well, I guess not that bad. I don't know. Because what would the AF3X have done? That would have been interesting to see what it would have It would have been. sped that motor up to try and bring it around. still wouldn't have enough thrust. It wouldn't fly. Hmm. Well, no, because it was the, the, the one propeller was pushing the air forward as opposed to yeah. behind. So the yeah. AF3X would try and speed it up to bring it back into yaw. Yeah, but it would also try to slow the other motor down, right? Yeah, it would crank the... the 
inefficient motor up, and he would cr- slow the other one I think down. That would do a awesome like flat. But it wouldn't fly though. It would well, just no. go right. It wouldn't have enough horsepower like a frisbee, and then watch it until yeah, yeah. But that's no. It was it was a bunch of fun. <laughs> Went through two propellers, like I said. We also found out it will not fly very well without any vertical fins. Yeah, so I I took oh, the I fins and left them off of mine just to see if the AS3X would. And it flew what for it, about fifteen seconds. You, you flew around for a little while, and it was surprisingly weird. long. Yeah, it was very weird. It was kind of mushy. Yeah, and finally it you know crashed. But I think the AS3X said, "Screw it." Yeah, not a wrinkle on it. The, they are very durable. They are. They, well, they're so light. I mean, it's packaging foam and it's light. <laughs> How can you go wrong? And so much fun. I recommend everybody have one of these and about two batteries. Because the batteries charge in like 10 minutes. Yeah, they charge pretty quick depending on what charger you have. And they're only five bucks a piece. Yeah. So I think I have loads, loads of fun. You don't even need a big... And you can fly them at night because they put lights in them if you want to. Well, that's expensive. Well, but I mean... it's But it's worth it. Yeah. Especially if all the lights work. (laughs) Yeah. I forgot your... Afterburner lights don't. And those just are very, them. like, I would consider those necessary to be able well, to tell. Well, if you're going to fly at night, yeah. Yeah, sure. to be able to tell if it's coming at you or yeah. flying away from you. Yeah, because yeah, the, I use that the for lights orientation and the wing a lot. tips, yeah, they, they have a similar pattern top and bottom. So Yeah. Yeah, good yeah. times. All yeah. right. So how'd your E-Straight fly? Oh, um, oh yeah. Yeah, it flew great. I uh, was very happy with, uh, with how it flew. I was a little disappointed in the speed. Like, yeah. I mean, I wasn't expecting near what you were expecting, but um, overall, I was pretty happy with uh, with how it how yeah. it turned out. So I was concerned about the um, the plans. Of, what's it called? Decollage? I think yeah. That's what they call that. You know, the the relationship of the angle of attack of the stab to the wing, you know. We yeah, you guys were incidents. talking about that being off a little bit. And yeah, I don't know if it was, for whatever the reason, it was probably my build technique, but... Mine was off a little bit, so I had to adjust it and make sure that they were zero zero, meaning <clears throat> the wing incidence is zero degrees in relation to the datum, you know, the horizontal datum line, and so is the stab. And I didn't know if if it was supposed to be zero because on my plans they were off a little bit, it was like one or two degrees difference. So I built mine zero zero, and that turned out to be a non-issue because it flew, it flies fine. Mine was fine as well, yeah, and yours was perfect. So. Yeah, they're forgiving, which is good to know. Yeah, they're very forgiving. Very forgiving. I needed like almost no trim. It needed like two or three clicks of aileron. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think I added a little bit of down trim and maybe a little, but yeah, a little bit of aileron, but not much, if any. And mine was at three hundred ninety nine point nine 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 feet in a couple (laughs) seconds. Yeah, yeah. The climb out on yours, the the amount of vertical uh, acceleration yours has is. Impressive, but I think the horizontal is not that much different than yours. Unfortunately, the speed is, but they're both very docile. Oh yeah, very easy to fly. So anybody who's building one, fear not. Do not be scared <laughs> of them, and you're going to come out yeah. underweight no matter what you do. Yeah, I mean you have to you have to be a, adding a lot of stuff for the for they to, for them to come out heavy. And just watch your tail. Yeah, just try to keep the weight out of the tail so you don't have to add any weight to the nose because a lighter plane would fly even better. Yeah, and ours fly great. So, which You'll concerns me because you guys have bigger motors than I was planning on putting in. So I'm probably gonna have to put quite a bit of weight up. For Build it. your tail light. Well, that's. I mean, I'm putting LEDs in it, so that's gonna add a little bit of weight too. Yeah, we'll figure it out. It'll carry the weight these days. Yeah, yeah. I'm. Oh, no I mean, problem. after hearing you guys, I'm sure <laughs> yeah. it will. But yeah, watching them fly, 
they look just like. Oh, and that's what I wanted to mention. Having flown your shiny, shiny, and God, I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> having flown your shiny, and you know, and the shiny is the reason we have these now. If it weren't for your shiny, we would not have built these. Is that fair to say? Absolutely, I agree. So, having flown the shiny, and now having flown my electro streak, like it feels like the same airplane. Like in the in the air. Granted, I have a rudder on the on the electro streak and the shiny Which the doesn't. Shiny does not, yeah. Um, but even even flying with the rudder, the the plane feels just like the shiny. I mean, it it, it really, even though the dimensions are not exactly the same, they're very very close, close enough. It it yeah, it flies just like the shiny, which is a good thing because that's why we did it. Yeah, and I'm I'm going to be happy that there's a rudder. Yeah, because it, yeah, you'll I, like it because it'll make hammerheads and stuff like that that you can't do with the shiny that you can. Well, I mean, not only that, but control and landing, you know, well, coming yeah, down, you it's just nice to have actual yeah. Yeah. yawk. It tracks really nice. Yeah, it, really it almost does. tracks like a mini pattern plane. Yeah, well, and that's how the shiny flies. The, yeah, the shiny, the shiny flies, flies that way too. Great. So um, I'm gonna miss. I can't wait to turn my lights on at night though. Yeah, see how that turns out. But I hope it's bright. Me too. Like I, I really hope it's bright in the basement. So yeah, we'll see. We need to pull, I didn't even think you should have brought that over, and we could compare it to the actual shiny, just turn oh, the lights off yeah. and just to see what the difference in lighting is. Because we know what that one looks like at night. Yeah, that's true. Yep. Anyway. Yeah, maybe next time. But yeah, I flew the shiny, flew the Ultrix, and I think that was all I, did I fly anything else that day? Oh, I had the uh, that blue, the, oh, blue the blue Toledo special yeah. that flies awesome. That thing is just ridiculous. <laughs> that was what, 40 bucks? $40. Or stupid like that? Ready yeah. to fly. Like, Add a receiver and put a new receiver battery in it, and that's all I, I've done to it. Yep. And it flies. It's not pretty, but man, it flies. No, it's not pretty. It's it not is a, pretty, though. I mean, it's, I like, like it? I love the shape of it. That mm. was one that I like so much, I offered, if you decided to get rid of it, that oh, I would be one to make it into electric. Yeah. But I'm not I don't want to do that anymore. So. If I do anything with it, I'll recover it eventually and try to make it prettier. Because I, I, I disagree. I don't think it's pretty at all. See, I think what I like about it and whatever make fun of me the shape of the canopy mm-hmm. reminds me of it's an x-wing the cybertruck oh looks like an x-wing canopy x kind of yeah yeah, yeah i could see that i don't i don't watch any of that stuff was that star star trek or wars. star wars yeah star wars yeah um no i could you're right <laughs> i could see yeah that looks like getting definitely does look x-wing-ish to me it looks like a not to derail the conversation but to me it looks like a mix between a hot's and a Great Plains fun one. Yeah, there's definitely some hots in there. There's, it's like a weird... I don't see a lot of fun one in it. Yeah. It, Do you really? Yeah, a little. Yeah. But anyway, you've got one. We'll I know. That's next, what I mean. We'll I set don't. them side by side one day and you'll yeah. see. But the fun one has a tapered wing. Yeah, I think it's got more hots in it than... Yeah. I don't think this was a kid. I think this was... This is built, plans or scratch. Plans. Oh, yeah. The way the, the canopy goes on and all that kind of stuff does not look kit or yeah. arf to me yeah. at all. But anyway, and I think Dave is right too that they built it upside down, and that's probably why, <laughs> why the control horns or the servos are on the top of the wing yeah. instead of the bottom. I think you're probably right. Yeah, I think somebody had their plans upside down. Probably, yep. but yeah, whatever. Still hey, a good least, flying airplane. At least they don't get caught in the grass that way. Right? Just to stay nice and clean. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But a good looking airplane nonetheless, and it flies awesome. Anyway, so anyway, yeah, good day. See, yeah, good day in February. We all got lots of flights in. I got yeah. a sunburn. Yeah, and Dave got a sunburn. That. It's really? so odd. My skin felt weird. Are you yeah. that fair-skinned? Actually, one of the drugs I take uh, makes me photosensitive. Oh, mm. so no pictures. Mm-hmm. Is that? Oh, that's not what I mean. 
I'm funny, guys. Just let it be. Come on. <laughs> I, I was trying so hard not to laugh. It was kind of funny. There's no comeback anyway. from that. <laughs> I was trying. Okay. What else? You have, we have a few listener emails yeah. because we didn't have a lot to talk about on this episode. Even though well, we we've actually managed talked to quite a bit more going for like 40 we minutes were, so far. Um, yeah. But we can get so, through some listener. Yeah. I've got a few here that, uh, that I'll go ahead and read. Um, this one comes from uh, Chris. Uh, he says, I just found out your pod, I just found your podcast recently and I've really been enjoying it. Uh, thanks Thank for you. the great t- content. You're welcome. I do have a quick question. You've mentioned Brian's place several times recently. What and where is this hobby shop? He says he's tried to Google hobby shops around Illinois, but he can't seem to find this unicorn. He says it sounds like a place he needs to visit. I agree. It definitely is. It is kind of a unicorn. He says, thanks and keep up the great podcast. I agree. It is a unicorn. Um, But what we're talking about is Dynamic Balsa. That is the name of the hobby shop. When we talk about going up to Brian's place, that's where we're going. It's in a very, very small town of Leonore. It's a grain bin, a post office, a bar, and a hobby shop. There are more RC airplanes in Leonore than there are people. I because I think there's 350 is what the sign says yeah. for Leonore. Yeah, there's a, yeah. Yeah. For sure. It's just west of Streeter, Illinois. Yeah. Yeah, 15 um, minutes, maybe 10, 15 minutes. It's, it's fairly convenient to almost... Nowhere. Nowhere. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I was... Uh, really? Uh, there's... It's a, it's, a, it's a significant drive for us. It's about two hours. Um, it's about an hour, I think, and 20 minutes for folks from, you know, south, southern Chicago. Uh, mm-hmm. But it is at least somewhat close, and if you're within a comfortable driving distance, you should definitely check it out. I mean, the yeah. place is is awesome. Yep, it's very much worth it. Which yeah. reminds me, do you want to talk about what we're doing with Brian? Yeah, I was going to mention that since okay. we're on the subject of Brian. Yeah, uh, pretty exciting stuff. Brian um, approached us and asked us if we'd be interested in a collaboration. To which I, of course, said yes. <laughs> um, so we are building and going to fly the new Hangar 9 Pawnee Brave 20cc uh, ARF, which is brand new from Horizon. Like they just announced it a few weeks ago. Brian got one in and said, hey, why don't you take this and all the stuff to make it fly, put it together. You can do a build log, do whatever you want to promote the uh, podcast, and then fly it for the summer. You guys take turns flying it, You know, fly the bejesus out of it and then i'll give it away in the hobby shop uh, towards the end of the flying season you know september october or something like that so of course i jumped on the chance to do that <laughs> since i happened to be there yeah um so yeah we're gonna we're gonna put this thing together and uh fly the bejesus out of it i'll build i'll do a do up a build blog and we'll put it on the website um so far i've already started on it you almost cause I, finished because i was really excited yeah um so far a pretty decent build and there's there's a few notes that i'll make on the on the build blog when we Get it up on the website. But yeah, co- our first collaboration with um, Dynamic Balsa, and I'm really excited about it. Yeah. So what do you consider things you will put on the website about it? Like, what have you come across? Do you want to talk about how you built the kit or what? Yeah, I'll do like a standard kind of a build log. I mean, like on here right now. Do you want to talk about some of the things you've encountered? Or do you oh, sure. Like go tell um, Yeah, just a few things I've encountered. Um, there's, uh, so <laughs> the first thing, they... The ARF comes with LEDs that you install in the wing for landing lights. Mm-hmm. Cool feature. Uh, Very cool. The instructions uh, tell you how to install them into the wing and how to put the lenses over the top, and that's it. They, the instructions <laughs> don't really... And then they forget about it. Yeah, like, they don't it's, mention it's like it's it again. It's like 
Yeah, they never mention it again, like how to hook them up or how you might make these operational or whatever. So I had to do a little internet uh, research, and then I actually, yeah, and then I actually contacted Horizon, which they they gave me a really great answer. Uh, the LEDs will run off of a three cell lipo. So if you're going the electric route, we're going uh, gas. Uh, we're going to put a Stinger twenty, which is an RCGF uh, Stinger twenty CC on it. You but, already put. You say we're going to, but well, it's yeah, already done. It's, it's done. Um, but uh, yeah, we're not powering it with a lipo. So I'm gonna. I've got a small little three cell, I think it's a thousand milliamp lipo that I'll stick in there and I'll put an RC switch. That's what I call them. I'm not sure if that's the actual name, but it's like a relay. You yeah, plug from it into what you described, channel. it's a, a relay. Yeah, you plug it into a channel on your receiver and I can flip the lights on uh, remotely via my transmitter, which Dave brought up a really good point uh, before we started uh, recording. Apparently, you can take an old servo and turn that yeah. into an RC switch, which... That's genius, if you ask me. Mm-hmm. Um, well, maybe we, I think we should talk about that in a future episode because I think a lot of people would probably yeah. benefit. Because I know I have multiple servos at home that, anyway. Um, that you don't trust. That to fly I don't an trust airplane. to fly an airplane, yeah. but I would certainly trust as a switch, an on off, simple on off switch to yeah. run some lights. And in fact, I use something very similar to that to uh, uh, launch the rocket on the 163. Yeah, so there you go. I think that would be a worthy discussion. Um, later, but anyway, yeah. So the instructions don't tell you how to how to operate the lights, um, <laughs> and they don't have any any connectors on it either. It's just bare it's just leads, bare leads on yeah. the very end. Here you uh, go, and they're pretty tinned, I guess. So there's that, right? They're what? <laughs> they're tinned. The end oh. of the leads are tinned. Yeah, they're ready to be soldered or something, I guess. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. no mention what? of how to uh, install them. And then the tailwheel uh, setup is a little. Um, they, I think they may have misdrilled the holes for the tailwheel. Uh, bracket mount because it interferes with the tiller arm on the rudder, uh, which really? is not good. So I I built a little shim to put on there, and I put a little extra bend in the bracket. So so that's good. And then uh, let's see what was it? Oh, there's a lot of discussion online about the CG, which I'm fairly concerned about. Um, a lot of guys that have built them and flown them, they're saying that Horizon is extremely conservative on the CG, and it's very very nose heavy. Um, so I. I'm concerned because, you know, that these these gasser two-stroke engines are are very light in comparison to a comparable size nitro or even an electric motor that has similar output, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm concerned. I don't want to have to put a lot of lead in the nose to get it to balance at a too far forward CG. You yeah. know what I mean? So I don't know. I'm, I'm going to wait till I'm completely finished and check the CG and, and see if it's if I need to add weight. And if I do, I'm going to... I have to use caution because, like I said, I don't, I don't want a nose-heavy airplane. This airplane has flaps, and uh, I think it has so much wing. I think it's going to have a fairly forgiving envelope anyway, yeah. and CG, you know, uh, range. Um, but uh, that's one thing that uh, you know I think we'll need to dial in, and um, hopefully Horizon got it right in the manual. But we'll see. Um, that seems to be a, a theme. Like E Flight yeah. and Horizon both. Yeah, especially with what I was went with the twin otter on that so, too. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean I get it. You know, you want your first flights to be successful and you're probably better off with a nose heavy airplane than a yeah. tail heavy one. But there's I agree. But let's, you know, let's be sensible about it. this airplane has a lot of wing area and it's a thick airfoil. It's gonna be a you know, it's gonna I, I think it's gonna be a very floater. forgiving, yeah, airplane. Yeah. So and I wanna take full advantage of these flaps, man. <laughs> And see, that's the problem. I don't want to like it that much. Like, <laughs> yeah. I really don't want to like this airplane. Right. Because then I got to buy one. Then you have to buy one. And I don't want to yeah. buy one. When we give this one back to Brian to give away, yeah, maybe you know, you'll have to buy one at that time. 
Yeah. So anyway, yeah, I'm really excited about this collaboration. Uh, thanks, Brian, if you're listening, which I don't think he listens, but if he does. <laughs> um, yeah, he doesn't even know I exist. Thanks. Oh, yes, uh, he, yes does. he does. We talked about you when I was up there to get the airplane. Oh, yeah? What did you say about him? Well, he wanted me to check on the crankshaft out of uh, oh, Daniel's. Okay. So yeah. we talked about him, and then, yeah, he's, he mentioned it. So, cool. Okay. But yeah, very exciting. Uh, moving on. Is it okay? Yeah. Okay. You're driving now. Uh, so here's another email. <clears throat> Excuse me. This is a, actually, this is a message from the contact us on our website. Uh, this is from Gary. He says, hi, uh, Tom and Ron and Dave. I'm covering my 91-inch DHC-2 Beaver, which I'm not going to move on. Comments. Uh, I have been able to, <laughs> I haven't been able to find the Coverite 21st century trim iron. Um, it's on a lot of sites, but is out of stock or discontinued. I thought I had found one on a site in Texas that turned out to not exist. It was Chinese. Uh, Visa credited him, credited him the lost cash. Thanks, thank goodness. Uh, he he asks any suggestions regarding secret sources would be appreciated. Thanks and keep up the great work, Gary. I wish I could tell you that there that we knew of some secret source that you could still get twenty first century irons, but unfortunately, they are gone. Like legit gone. The, yeah. the trim irons. Well, any yeah. of them actually. Well, even, yeah, even the regular clones. irons. Um, but the yeah, but the coverite trim iron, the twenty first century trim iron that you're talking about, those are gone. And so, Top Flight and Hangar Nine also used to produce trim irons uh, with the smaller shoe to get in the the crevices and stuff. Those also are gone. So, other than eBay or maybe getting on RC Group forums or uh, RC Universe or Flying Giants or or various RC forums. Uh, and the classifieds. Other than that, you're just going to have to get lucky and find one in a swap meet or eBay. Now, something that Ron and I had talked about uh, doing, uh, it's been a while ago, um, Amazon sells um, edge banding irons. And what these are, these are irons designed to iron on the edges of your countertop, your Formica countertops. And they look identical. They look absolutely identical to the 21st century. The the, the nicely uh, shaped ones that we like. Right. And they're digital. Yeah. And that's, that's where I was. Big that's, ones. that's what this meant. Yeah, for the big I'm, ones, not for the trim iron. I'm twisting my fingers like you can. Oh, I get it. Well, I'll that do means, this because that's how you change. That the, means digital. I'm I'm um, fake pushing a button because that's digital. Anyway, um, we were considering trying one of those, but then we happened to buy the last remaining 21st century irons from Brian. And yeah, we, I think between all of us, we ended up buying like five or six of them. Yeah, I have one stashed away, and I think you've got one or two, and I think Bob has one. Anyway. Um, so that would be, in my opinion, that would probably be the closest resemblance to the 21st century iron. But the trim iron, I, I, I don't... Your SOL. I think eBay or... I baby my top flight one every time I pull it out. It's like, oh, be careful. Yeah, yeah. Um, unfortunately, that is a common theme with uh, with the RC stuff, you know, with these great tools that we used to have that are now gone, you know. Thank goodness Dubro is... Brought back the sanding, uh, the shaped sanding bars. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully, another company maybe down the road will pick up you know the 21st century designs for RCUs. But for now, Gary, I'm sorry to say, those are a unicorn. <laughs> see then, one, snag it. Yeah, and see that's the other thing. Go so to I, swap meets. Yeah, I have one of the 21st century trim cover iron that is broken, mm-hmm. and I just cannot bring myself to throw it away. I keep telling myself. Can't be that hard. The like, trim one or the actual the iron? trim one. Okay, yeah. 
And it's, no, hold on. It's not the 21st century. It's the Hangar 9 one. Okay. It's still same mm-hmm. basic principle. Yeah. But I just, I can't make myself throw it away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you think maybe you could fix it someday. If, you it's know, a, a resistor's bad. That day never something. comes. Yeah. So, but I haven't gotten rid of it. So. so good luck, Gary. I hope you're able to find one. Um, yeah, scour the internet. And then go to swap meets. You may, you may, because I do find stuff like that at swap and meets. And buy multiples. Yeah. Yeah. If you find one, buy several. I don't remember seeing any at Toledo last year because I probably would have picked up another one just as a spare. I didn't see any 21st century irons, but yeah. I did see a couple of Hangar 9 regular irons and yeah, stuff that like that. Yeah, that didn't excite me much. interest me, but yeah. But see, like right now, the ones that were, we were talking about on Amazon, they're like 70 bucks. Yeah. Yeah, that one that we were looking at. Yeah. It's kind of pricey. And like, I don't know if it's worth, for us right now, to get that for that price just to try it. Yeah. Considering we have working uh, other. So there was a discussion I was looking at, I think it was on RC Groups, that was talking about this very subject about the, the edge banding iron mm-hmm. that they found on Amazon. And they said it worked identical to the Coverite iron. Well, that's good to know. Because so, I like the Coverite iron much better than my Hangar 9. Yeah, me too. Um, yeah, so... That's that. Okay. Next up, we have a, I uh, believe this was an email. Yep. <laughs> no, this is a text <laughs> message. Sorry. Uh, from Colton Thompson. He says, I've been watching y'all's YouTube videos, and I have an OS 70 four-stroke engine that I can't get running. Okay. I've tightened the high-end needle all the way up and backed it off two turns, but I believe the low-end needle has been messed with, and I don't really know where to position it. Uh, it has started and ran for about three seconds and died but I just don't know enough about tuning them to get it to stay running. If you could shoot me a text back or even a call to maybe walk me through a couple of things, that would be awesome. Thank you, Colton. Which we did. Which we did, yep. I responded. I, I will say the easiest way to take care of that is to go electric. <laughs> Short of going you know, to the dark side, um, <laughs> an OS70, which I happen to own one of, no. um, and I looked at my carburetor, and so... I didn't want to mess with my needle settings, but I went ahead and did it anyway. And my high turn, high turn, my high speed needle was out two and about three quarters, almost three turns. So your, you know, your mileage may vary, right? You, that elevation, temperature, density, altitude, all Back that kind of stuff. Content. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, glow the type plug. of fuel, glow plug even has. So conservatively, I would start with a high end needle. Me two personally, and a half to three. two and a half to three turns out from fully That's closed. what I was thinking. And on the OS 70, at least on my carburetor, um, my low-speed needle, the face of the needle is flush with the face of the barrel that it is installed in. So that if you looked at it end-on, I'm sorry, from the side, it would be one plane. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? That's where my low-speed needle is set. Now, I didn't actually thread it in and, and you know count the turns out, um, but Dave has a really great way of setting up load and needles too. So uh, take a blocker throttle barrel open at a idle position. Um, you can stick a, uh, like a one and a half millimeter uh, L wrench in it to hold it open about that spar. Uh, then take your uh, fuel line off your inlet uh, port and put a small piece of fuel line on it and blow through it with it in idle position. You should be able to pass with pressure. Mm-hmm air through the carburetor. So back off that low end until you start pushing a little air through the carburetor. Mm -hmm. And that should get you in the ballpark where it should run. Mm -hmm. It's probably going to run like pooey, but... But at least it's someplace it's going to run start from. Yeah. Yeah. And you'll hear hissing. Like, I've done that method also, and 
Yeah, I just, uh, same thing, block the barrel open so that there's about a, you know, one and a half millimeter. One to one and a half millimeter. Opening, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, blow through the needle or through the fuel line and keep turning that needle out until you hear hissing. Oh, um, back off your main needle valve a lot. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you want, well, it doesn't have to be a lot. You just want to make sure that fuel would be able to flow through past the high-speed needle, but yeah. What's the point of blocking it open? Well, the air has to have somewhere to go. As they go together, that barrel, if you notice, goes in and out. Mm -hmm. So that controls your idle mixture. As that barrel slides in and out, it pulls the the low-end needle out of the spray bar. Mm -hmm. So as more it opens, it pulls that needle further and further out of the spray bar. So then it's then running on the main needle valve alone. And I got you. So it's pulling that out of the way. Yeah. So you oh, have okay. to have it, if it's completely closed, your low-end needle can actually block the spray bar and you're not going to get any fuel through it. So could you just set it like with a plane turned on? And Absolutely. Just... Oh, okay. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. That's what threw me because you said to make sure you block it and stuff. Yeah. Well, I didn't understand like the Assuming the engine is on a bench. And... But yeah, if it's in oh, the airplane, gotcha. yeah, you could, okay. you could turn everything on and then move the radio, move the... To a high trim position. Just to, yeah, just a little bit open. So that at least air will move through the spray bar. Understood. Yep. Cool. So that was, uh, thanks, Colton. Appreciate that. Uh, This was an email. Are you sure? No, I'm not sure. It's an RC Plane Lab message from Dan. So that's not an email, but that's okay. He says, hey, Ron and Tom, I enjoy your podcasts, whilst building flight test foamies in my hobby space. He says, which is getting very crowded. Uh, he needs to fly and crash more often. No. I agree with the fly, but don't crash. Yeah. Um, there's always room for more. You can reshuffle whatever you have to do. Mm-hmm. Or trade as needed. Or trade. Mm-hmm. Don't crash them. I appreciated your comments on Mac, M-A-A-C. He said, you shed some light on this current situation that I wasn't aware of despite being a member. Um, by the way, Dan is from Canada. Uh, I'm a lone flyer out in local pasture land and not privy to club matters or politics. Uh, Don't get me wrong, when I attend a club's events, I meet great people who want to fly in a controlled and safe environment. I see that they have worked hard to be able to maintain their flight areas autonomously despite what MAC or the feds mandate. I refer to MAC in the same breath as feds to highlight the point you made about MAC execs keeping members on a short leash. Fact is, we don't have the lobby power that your large membership does in the States. I get that. Mm -hmm. Uh, However, there must be a better way to resolve the current issues without asking members to stand on their heads and spit quarters. And and then he's asking for suggestions. And he says, regards, Dan. Thanks for contacting us, Dan. Before I comment on that, I want to read another. um, Yeah, because I've not read that. Yeah. So this is an update that came out from Mac... A little bit ago. Oh, I was going to read the other email, and then I was going to read the stuff from Mac. So this is not an update from Mac <laughs> yet. Um, well, continue on. It's coming, yeah. Uh, so we got another message. Uh, this is from Trevor C., not Trevor F. Uh, he says, Hi, Ron. I heard you guys talking about the Mac suspension today. I think you guys nailed it when you cited only 10,000 members compared to AMA's 160,000. Uh, the, the truth of it is that as model pilots our voice is comically small. Uh, And to that fact, add to that fact that most cities have bylaws against flying, which makes park flying almost always illegal and there aren't many places to fly. Uh, We have to be at a Mac field or on private property, which most people can't access. I understand. 
Another wrinkle is that Nav Canada can be brutal to work with. Transport Canada is pretty reasonable. Those are the two organizations that um, are sort of driving. Driving. Yeah, thank you. Flying this. Right. Yeah. Piloting this. <laughs> oh, that's nice. even better. Others may not see it, but when dealing with an issue like this, good faith is very powerful when you are attempting to hold on to self-regulation. Uh, Mac asking us not to fly during the winter makes a lot of sense and gives them the best chance to solve the issue. He's talking about good faith and goodwill here. Uh, the rumor is that fields were, were sanctioned that shouldn't have been, meaning Mac now has to very re quickly review all fields, uh, removing the risk, flight in a dangerous location, that is, uh, is the show of good faith that buys time and understanding. Um, it is not a very Canadian thing for Mac to attempt to show control over the community. I can see why people might think that is what is happening, and that misses the greater picture. To add a little more context, there is a movement in Canada for the government to reduce the number of self-regulated professional bodies. Engineering practice in Quebec is a good example. Other provinces responded to the revocation in Quebec by bolstering their self-regulation efforts and making sure they follow the acts that create them. What MAC is doing follows that follows what professional these professional bodies are doing. It is a model that is working, and only Quebec has lost its self-regulation for engineering. Okay. Uh, the fact of the matter, I have a comment on that. Uh, the fact of the matter is that we have no large populace or large manufacturers such as Horizon Hobbies uh, to lobby for us. So quietly creating the strongest position possible for Mac is our best move. A publicly driven social media effort would simply undermine the self-regulating status, proving that we can't act in our own best interest and effectively turn Mac's governance over the federal government. Nothing could be worse than having non-RC pilot governing RC pilots. To that, I agree. Uh -huh. I hope this provides some local insight into the situation here. I'm certain the system is vastly different for you guys. In the meantime, I'm sure a lot of people will quietly fly under the radar where no one could be bothered to say anything because they just don't care and aren't bothered. Besides, indoor fun flies are way warmer right now. It's currently minus 10C in Edmonton. I imagine that's pretty cold. I was going to say, I don't know what that means. <laughs> um, love the podcast. Keep at it. It's the best thing to listen to when working on planes. Cheers, Trevor. Trevor, thanks. Um, I want to read this update from Mac, and then we'll have comments if you want. Actually, I'm not going to read the whole thing. I was going to say um, it's three pages, and I haven't read it. So, But uh, just a few things I wanted to to talk about. Uh and I hate to just um, quote random things because it could be taken out of context and I don't want that to happen. But basically, um, here's one nugget. It's important to understand that as we reopen sites, members can only fly at sites that have been reauthorized. Uh, we will create reauthorization certificates and place them in the airfield records on the MAC website so members can easily confirm their field status. So MAC has already reauthorized some sites. It's going to take time for them to do all of them. They're doing the easy ones first. They're doing the I would easy ones expect. first, yes. Um, uh, Non-RPAS sites. Sites that are exclusively non-RPS, that's remotely piloted aerial system, uh, will be reauthorized in the first group of sites provided the club rules and documentation are in order. Uh, this may require some additional club rules to ensure public safety is considered at each location. So that is what I would call priority one. That's like the, the easy ones that they're doing first, right? Uh, then class G, 
which are talking about aerospace here, more than three nautical miles from aerodromes or airports. The roughly 200 sites in controlled airspace at the surface and more than three nautical miles from the closest aerodrome will be the next to be reauthorized. Provided the club rules and documentation are in order, we expect those sites to be reauthorized by the end of January. I don't know where they're at on that. but Yeah, I haven't seen that, any updates. That touches on what you were saying. They're doing the easy ones first, right? Mm-hmm. More than three miles from an airport, um, Class G airspace. I'm assuming that's airspace they're talking about. Easy peasy, you know, not in danger of flying into a an approach zone for an airport, right? Easy to reauthorize as long as the club documentation is in order, right? Next, uh, the roughly 154 sites. So we're only at 350 sites to this point. Uh, in uncontrolled airspace at the surface and within three nautical miles of an airport, we need to follow a new MAC policy that is being developed. Keywords, being developed. Uh, to comply with TC Exemption 4. Uh, that policy is expected to be approved by the board this coming week. And this was put out January 23rd. So about a month ago from tonight's recording. Yeah, we're behind. Yeah. The the clubs will be advised of uh, what changes need to be adopted. And once they are compliant, they will be reauthorized. Since this process involves some feedback and possible rule changes from the clubs, it is hard to put a timeline on this step. However, this step could be completed in the second half of February, if we all work together, right? So we're nearly nearing the end of February now. Uh, and you could probably, if you're a Mac member, I'm sure you can get on the Mac website and determine if if your, airs, if your field is in this uh, particular uh, grouping, if it's been reauthorized or not. Um, and then... It goes on and on. And then they, they touch on personal sites. Uh, personal sites are unregistered sites at a personal location, like a dock at a cottage or a pasture on an acreage. We are considering the best way to manage the use of these sites to ensure that RPAs, that RPA flying is not happening in controlled airspace, but we're not there yet. Our immediate priority efforts are directed at registered sites, club fields. Uh, while we work through the reauthorization of those sites, flying from personal unsanctioned sites remains suspended. So Mac is now telling people, well, I mean, they've always been telling people not to fly at their personal sites. Uh, under and, and they have, Mac control. And they don't. Like under their. Well, and this, yeah, and this doesn't have a get well plan for those sites. Well, hmm. I mean. Yeah, I'm not Canadian, so like I don't understand everything mm-hmm. on that. But to me, if you have some that are truly problem childs, children, whatever, deal with those as opposed to knocking everything off. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so that, like I said, I'm, I'm paraphrasing and I'm, I'm excerpting from this Mac update, uh, which one of our listeners was so gracious to send us. Um, so, yeah. So the... One of the um, comments that we got uh, was about lobbying power. Um, yes, I agree that having a, a large um, group base to, to lobby for you is important, but it shouldn't be. You know what I mean? Like, no, I understand what you're saying. It should not be coming up as an issue. Right. Yeah. So I guess my... 
my issue with, with this whole thing is the fact that instead of telling the, like, like the, the places that were in no danger, right? The places that have been, the, the sites that have been operating for years. years without issue are now being affected by, I don't know, the number. But it's, the problem it's children. considerably smaller. Yes. You know, a number than the fields that aren't causing issues. Like, so every, like one person poops and everybody has to wear diapers. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's, I don't feel that that's <laughs> a weird way right, to put it, but, but you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. I don't feel that that even, even though um, Trevor makes really good points, I still don't feel that this was the right course of action, no matter how big your organization or small. Yeah. It should be deal with the, the problem that you have yeah. without a broad and without wipe of the brush that yeah, says without, hey, everybody is grounded. Without over politicizing, politicizing. Yeah. The, the, you know, the, the left wing or right wing or however you want to, like, I think we are appeasing for the sake of appeasing. Like, I think we, in this particular situation, I think they like exactly like you said, deal with the, deal with the issues that are the issues and don't make everyone else pay. That's the bottom line. Well, that's the problem with, you know, what's happening here too, with the whole RC airplane drone it's all getting lumped together when yeah. the problems are not those of us that fly at our fields right. or those of us that go in our backyard and fly over our own property. Nope. The problems are the, the people that have long-range FPV that do not follow what is in place right now. Right. You know, the, the laws and, and rules well, and bylaws that you're supposed to follow under the AMA safety code and all that kind of stuff. They're the ones that by being irresponsible, are shining the spotlight on all of us right? and making us pay a price Unfortunately, for Unfortunately, yes. And that is the problem with technology as it does advance. That is one problem of the, yeah, the well, technology. Yeah. <laughs> There's many others, but yeah. Um, so anyway, yeah, that's enough about that. Well, I did, I did a quick look because you were talking about how many sites and stuff they were reallocated and how many were going to be open and did stuff. I don't remember what the numbers were. You said there were the easy ones were three hundred and ninety or four hundred and fifty, whatever. No, the first group of <clears throat> of two hundred. Oh, uh, that was the easy ones. Okay, and then what? there was another group of one hundred and fifty four that were relatively going to be easy. So a combined total of three hundred and fifty that they could conceivably get online in a short period of time, and then the rest was the lower numbers. And then, yeah. so I did a quick, and that's why I missed some of what you were saying because I was looking up really quick. So the AMA apparently has over twenty five hundred sanctioned flying sites. And it said 195,000 members. Yeah. So that is quite a bit of difference. And I don't know how that equates percentage of population. Yeah. I don't know what Canada's population is and all that kind of stuff, yeah. but... I bet it's pretty yeah. similar. I bet the percentage is similar. I bet. You think so? I bet it is. That we'd have to look that up because I... Flyers per capita. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I have no idea. What percentage of the population... Well, I mean, it'd be impossible because not everybody joins MAC or AMA, right? Well, true, but you get a, a base, but it, and that's that's not the point. I mean, the point is, yes, we have more members in the United States, and that money does hopefully help us out in the long run, which is why I have no problem paying my my dues every year. Yeah, yeah. You look so pensive, like there's so much you want to say. But yeah, I just I feel bad for the for the modelers, and I say modelers in Canada. I don't consider drone pilots modelers. Correct. So I agree. Okay, moving on. Do we got time for uh, 
it's our show. We say how much time we have. Well, I'm going to read this one because I like it and I like the you go, girl. This is from our friend Ron Struss. Mm-hmm. He says, I need a new build table before I tackle the electro streak. Ooh. Yes. I've used our kitchen table or a card table for past builds, uh, but I need a more formalized and larger workspace going forward. I have a workbench, but I want to keep that clear for house projects and for messier model building tasks like metal cutting and soldering. I get that. Understood. I went to an office furniture resale store today hoping mm-hmm. to find a suitable work table. Lots of tables were on the floor, but they all sagged eighth to a quarter of an inch uh, in the middle. I, I totally hear what he's saying there. I've seen it. Uh, I, brought, I brought a 48-inch straight edge along with me while I was shopping. Uh, with legs on each end and no support in the center, it's not surprising that the tables sag over time. The more I looked, the more I thought building a table makes more sense than buying one. My current plan is to build a bar height table, 42 inches, uh, so I can work standing up or sitting on a bar stool. That's actually a pretty smart idea. Uh, a wood frame would be topped by plywood or MDF board and then topped by pink foam board or pin sticking. Oh, four pin sticking, excuse me. I uh, hope to cut straight and true on the frame so the build surface ends up nice and flat. Uh, my question is size. The Electrostreak plan sheet is three foot by four foot, so a three by five table would allow for work on both sides of the plan and provide a foot of side space for tools and supplies. Uh, I can see building up to 60-inch wingspan models in the future, but probably not bigger. Uh, basement space is limited, so I want the table big enough, but not bigger than necessary. From your experience, is 3 by 5 large enough for a build table, or should I go larger? And if so, how large? What about bar height versus table height? Thanks, Ron. Well, I'm going to be honest. The height thing I never really thought about before. The height to me, I've worked on taller tables like your bar top here, mm-hmm. and I've worked on my shorter table at home. And quite frankly, I prefer the shorter table. I sit in an office chair uh, that's got the hydraulics that can go up and down. Mm-hmm. Um, if your table is too tall, you have trouble with larger aircraft reaching down inside an airplane. Yeah. Once you go up and then back down, yeah. you have trouble getting down inside it. So the, that's where the shorter table comes in much more handy. Mm-hmm. See, I okay, so when you were putting the Pawnee together, I hung out with you whatever day it was, Tommy, and I had never been around somebody else that sat when they were working on things. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I'm a stander. Mm-hmm. I move around. I'm not nearly as meticulous as you are at how clean you keep your... I mean, obviously, you can tell. Like, I was very impressed. Like, as you would cut something off that you didn't need anymore, it would directly go into the garbage can. Well, that's not how I work. That's how I should work, but that's not how I work. Like, you've seen my tables down here. So... I'm I'm actually thinking about trying a folding table with, as you're going to talk about, a, a hollow core door, mm-hmm. um, and trying that for one of my next builds with yeah. a chair height chair. Yeah. So for the reason Dave mentioned, um, I'm not a particular fan of tall tables as workbenches either, because the exact reason you're talking about, sometimes you need to dig your arm down into a fuselage to route a throttle push rod or especially with a larger aircraft yeah and it if your table's too tall you run out of you run out of reach because you have to reach up and then you have to reach down in and but for um, a larger aircraft i work on the floor if i need to 
See, as you get older, you'll discover that, that <laughs> okay. it gets harder and okay. harder to get off the floor. I am discovering. I that. mean, I'm sorry. And I got to get a Labrador Retriever and, out of the note out of it too. Yeah. Okay. So for lots of reasons, I Touché. don't. I don't build on the floor. I just I can't physically. I sometimes cover on the floor because I get tired of dropping things. Oh, I see. So I if can't. it's on the floor, you can't go any further. Yeah. Yeah. It's but anyway. Um, so for me, a card table, a folding card table. Um, I use those plastic ones I get at Sam's. The I think they're so either five foot or six foot. The five just foot, fine. Yeah, the five foot is what I currently have. I, I'm on a six foot, and they do sag foot. in the middle, right? Mm-hmm. They they absolutely do because just like Ron mentioned, um, with legs on the end and then a hinge in the middle with the for the folding tables, they sag in the middle, so they're not flat. And to cure that, what I do is I go to Lowe's, Home Depot, whatever, uh, and I buy a 30, 30 inch, I think is the one I bought last time. Uh, that would match the size of tables. Hollow core. Yeah. Luan, 24. Yeah. Hollow core Luan door. And I set that puppy on top of the, on top of my table. And if it needs a shim in the middle, sometimes I'll throw a towel or something just to kind of support the center of it. But I put adjustable feet on mine. But the, oh, that's a good idea. Mm. Really good idea. Um, but the, currently there's nothing in the middle of mine and it just sits right on top of that table. And then I take my two inch pink foam and cut it and throw that on top of the door. And now I have a completely flat, uh, building surface. surface yeah. to, and just flip it every flip. now and then. Yeah. So it doesn't take a set. Yep. Once in a while I'll take the door, like between projects, between airplanes, whatever, I'll take the door off when I'm cleaning everything. Cause I clean a lot too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll, yeah, exactly. I'll flip it over and mm-hmm. put it all back together and, that's what I use, and that's what I like to use, and it's a great height for me because if I I can stand up and work on it, it's not so low that I can't do that. And if I need to get up, like on a larger plane, like this Pawnee, for example, and reach inside, I just move the chair out of the way, stand up, and now I've got ready access to to whatever I need to get into. So that's my setup. And the nice thing about that too is if you don't always have a project, you can take it down and store it fairly easily. Yep. In the storage side of the basement or something like that. It's Absolutely. not a permanent fixture. Right. Exactly. Although for you it is. And for you, David, it is. Yep. Well, so mine's, mine's a dual purpose. I've got, uh, I don't use the foam anymore in the pens. I uh, use the magnet building boards. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when I try that, when mm-hmm. I take the, the sheet steel off the top of it, I've actually got uh, carpet squares on mine, the self adhesive carpet squares. On the door. On the door. Mm-hmm. So now I have a nice soft surface. I do a lot of foam aircraft, which, yeah. you know. That's just been my thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the softer surface, they don't get nicked up as bad. Yeah. Uh, they don't slide around as bad. And if I need to, the I can flip it over to the other side of the door, which has nothing on it. Ah, yeah. Uh, so really, I have a three-sided door. Uh, 2D. Three. How's that work? <laughs> I was going to say, hold on. I'm building on this inch and a half yeah. wide by... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I have a non-carpeted side. I have a carpeted side. And then I add an additional top yeah, for fall. the steel. Yeah, or the steel. Yeah. And the oh, steel. No, now I see where the three yeah, came so he's from. Got, so he's got three building boards a in, tri-purpose. on one door. Yeah. yeah. Two sides, three yeah. surfaces. Yeah. So that's, yeah. I like, and I like good, the carpet. Yeah. That's actually, I may incorporate that on my next uh, cleaning. Because <laughs> I'll be probably doing tomorrow. it here pretty soon. Yeah, as soon as I'm done with Pawnee. But anyway, that's my setup. And Ron, your setup is a little bit different. <laughs> wherever I can fit. <laughs> I've got, like I said, countertop down here that I work on. All my stuff I've always worked on at a higher, higher uh, mm-hmm. uh, a desk. I, my mind just went blank. Table. Higher. It's not the Table word. height. Whatever. Elevation. Yes. Eleva- there you go. That's not what I was going for, <laughs> but that makes sense. Um, because, I, I, like I said, I don't tend to sit when I work on stuff. 
I spread out a lot yes, when I do. build. So I'm not very organized in that regard. So I'll go from one table to another and then Well, but you a lot also, times, what makes you tick is you, you don't typically work on one project at a time. No. Like you'll have several going on at one time. And for you, that just, that just works. So yeah, because I get to a point where I don't want to move on on one of them, and then, which is yeah, I've got one sitting behind me like I that. Say the eel's just sitting there, isn't it? Yes, it's, it's been it's, sitting there for a while. For a while, but I do. No, I got nothing to say on it anyway. <laughs> It'll now be there done. are times that having the higher bar height would come in handy. Yeah, but the times it would don't offset the negatives. See, yeah. like I said, I just I don't like to be stationary. I guess mm-hmm. like I with. I don't know. Maybe I need to try it. Like yeah. maybe I really need to try just a smaller table well, even size. Though, even maybe though that I'm will... sitting and working on a project, I wouldn't say that I'm stationary. I'm still moving. I like, roll a like, lot. Yeah, I move my chair around a lot. I'm, I'm, you know, fiddling with this. Like I'm not stationary for very long. You're more stationary than I would be. Oh, like when I'm working behind me over here. Get, yeah, I'm lazy. I, my legs would get tired. I will work on both sides. Like I'll do something over well, here. Well, that's and then the if luxury of building it. where you build. You have room on both sides. Like yeah. where I build, I only really have access to one side of the table, realistically. Yeah, I have only one side. Yeah, and Dave yeah. for sure only has one side. So I would love to have a peninsula to work on, but that's just not doable. Yeah, yeah. A peninsula and a bar. Yeah, I mean, I work in a ten by twelve room with a seventy-five gallon saltwater yeah. tank in it. What what you are able to produce in that tiny little room still? <laughs> I know it's awesome and so quickly. Yeah, oh God, yeah. puts me to shame. All right, so that's all. That's all. That's all we got. That's all I had. Yep. Any, oh, I just wanted to hit that uh, last one from Ron, and I wanted to talk about the Mac stuff a little bit and get my anger. You're too going. quid in? Too, I don't know. Too what do they use up there? Too, yeah, I don't know. You're That's good. Too, I good sound one. like a complete idiot. Two-tenths of a euro. I don't know. Huh. <laughs> so anyway, a folding table will work just fine yes. oh, with yeah. proper top. Exactly. Yep. And you can always support the center. And you can buy the damaged doors for a song. Oh, yeah. And that's something else I should have said. I don't buy brand the the brand new shiny ones off the floor. I go and find the scratch and dent ones. And you don't buy the six panel ones either. It's the flat. It's, yeah, completely flat. Mm-hmm. Yep. There you go. Anything else or are we finished? I think that's it. I'm done. <laughs> I'm spent. <laughs> uh, I bet you're tired. Thursdays are a hard day at work for me. Yeah. That's our busiest days. Oh. Yeah, I've been off work for a while, so mm-hmm. I've just been sleeping. Okay, so I'm about ready to go do now. Um <laughs> Gentlemen, it's been fun. Yeah. Everybody, thanks for listening. Yeah, Until for next listening. time, I am Ron. I'm Tom. And I'm Dave. Good night. Good night. Good night. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the RC Plane Lab podcast. For topic suggestions, to ask questions, or to give any feedback, connect with us at rcplanelab.com or email us direct at either ron at rcplanelab.com or tom at rcplanelab.com. You can also text us or leave us a voicemail at 818-351-9846. Please subscribe, rate, and review us on your favorite podcast app. Until next time, may your landings be gentle.